Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Sarah Centrella Show. Of course, I am excited for today's guest um, because, you know, I'm always trying to bring women on the show um, that kind of give us examples and embody all the various ways that we can succeed, right? And all the, um, the trajectories those journeys take. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, then you already know that I am super fascinated by um, how our dreams manifest over time, how our journey changes over time. And uh, today's guest, um, I'm really looking forward to hearing her backstory and, and kind of how her journey has grown. Um, you probably already know her. If you don't, you've got to go subscribe uh, to her podcast. She has the number one educated education podcast. Um, she is huge on LinkedIn. Um, welcome to the show, Halataha. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. Uh, so am I. So am I. So, you know, as I said, I love hearing about um, how our journey unfolds. You know a little bit about my journey because uh, you're gracious and had me on your show. I'm excited for that. Listeners, um, you know, pay, pay attention. It's coming soon uh, so you can hear the, the conversation the other way around. Um, but I know yours has been a journey as well. And, mm -hmm. um, you have had incredible success, um, in the podcast world and, uh, you took to clubhouse like crazy. I mean, you know, when clubhouse came out, I was, I was totally one of those people was like, what, what's clubhouse? I can't <laughs> do another app. I just can't, you know? And I think like all apps, whoever is on there in the beginning and jumping on it, and not having my attitude <laughs> are the ones who are, you know, thriving and taking it over. And you are definitely in that category. Um, so you've had lots of success, uh, especially the last couple of years in podcasting, but I am really fascinated, especially in the beginning of our conversation to learn more about, you know, where all that comes from, where did it start? Um, how did your journey get to this point? So can you take us back and and share with us a little bit of how all of this got started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I have such a crazy journey filled with so many ups and downs. And it's just really clear that there's no such thing as an overnight success, especially in the podcasting world, unless you get lucky. So I guess I can attribute the start of my podcasting journey to my junior year of college when I landed an internship at Hot 97. And Hot 97 at the time was the world's number one hip hop and R&B station. And during this time, I actually thought I was going to be a singer. So my whole teenage life, I was, you know, the kid who always got the solo in the concert. You know, I was in plays in college. I was the lead in plays. And really, I, I was writing music and songwriting and singing. And I thought that being at the radio station would give me an opportunity to push my music. And so I applied to all these radio stations thinking that that would be my back door to fame. And uh, Hot 97 picked me. So I, I ended up working in corporate initially in the production department. I did a great job. And then um, they asked me to be Angie Martinez's assistant producer. 
And Angie Martinez was the voice of New York. She was a huge celebrity at the time. It was the number one show in America. It was a big deal. And I was the only girl allowed in the studio area. So only about 13, 14 people were allowed in that studio area. And I was the center of attention. I had my little desk that was in the middle of all the studios. And I would meet every celebrity you could imagine. J-Lo, Chris Brown, Drake, Rihanna, Kim Kardashian, you name it. I met everyone. And it was just such a crazy experience. Mm -hmm. And I did everything for the station. I ran the Dillette boards um, to make sure that the music got played. I recorded commercials. I ran the contests. I did the research. And then I was also like Angie's personal assistant and I would buy her clothes and babysit her kid and, and, you know, drive her kid around whatever I needed to do. I was really just, you know, that up and coming uh, person at the station who was being primed essentially to be the next Angie Martinez. And a lot of the people who worked on the studio side, the benefit was being known as part of the brand. So I was Hala from Hot 97 for a long time. And I ended up quitting college and dropping out of school because I was like, you know what? I'm already in the industry I want to be in. I realized that I I really wanted to be an on-air personality. I kind of switched gears And I decided to leave college. And at the time I was an unpaid intern and they did not pay me a dollar. Yep. I had no employee contract. It was just an internship that never ended. And I would get paid uh, hosting showcases at night. So I would host showcases with the DJs and I would sell these uh, rappers, underground rappers tickets to these showcases. And that's how I made money. And then I would host them. And yeah, I grew a following on Twitter. And and like I said, everybody knew me as Hala from Hot 97. And it was just a crazy cool experience to have so young. Uh, That's I mean, I can't even imagine. Right. It's really being thrown right into um, all the madness and, and that lifestyle coming into it. I mean, I'm assuming you didn't grow up as a celebrity, right? So it can be a lot, um, emotionally and mentally and can kind of blow your mind on, on lots of levels. Um, before we get into everything else, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, there had to have been a lot of, um, you know, exposure and you're in a position where you can see what's working for successful people, right? And probably what's not. Uh, And I know a lot of your podcast now has to do with success and has to do with, um, you know, building your empire, your dream, your entrepreneurship, all of that kind of stuff. Um, How did your experience, especially as unpaid, I mean, that's a long time and a lot of work to go. How has that shaped um, what you do now, as far as just the exposure that you got, maybe didn't have to do with music specifically, but just everything else. Yeah. I think that that was such a defining point in my life because just to kind of give everybody some insight when I was in college, I was a very sheltered person in high school. Like I had very conservative, conservative parents. And so I wasn't allowed to date and, and, you know, I dated anyway, but, um, once I got into college and I was like free, I really took that literally. And all I cared about was my extracurricular activities. And I did terrible in school. So I had like a 2.3 GPA. I was like terrible in school and I had no, I always worked and stuff like that, but like hot 97, 
I worked so hard. I just remember always running back and forth in the hallways. Like there was always such tight deadlines. I'd literally be out of breath every day running from studio to studio. And it really just taught me how to work really hard. And it gave me the foundation that I needed in terms of learning how to produce a radio show and learning how to do really fast research because I was responsible for the news that millions of people would hear every single day. And I had to figure out the news that morning and I didn't have more than, you know, an hour to do it, you know, and so I had to work really, really fast. And it just taught me how to work really fast and be in a very high demand environment and also leadership skills because I was, you know, the intern that was training all the interns. I was like the queen intern at the station. So I would train all these other interns that would go in and out. And I was just like that consistent intern that never went away. And, um, So it taught me a lot of leadership skills. And then in terms of seeing all these successful people, I think there was very good things and very bad things that came out of it. Because first of all, as a very young girl, I was like 19 years old. You know, I was pretty cute. There was a big joke at the station. If nobody hit on me, they were gay. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like, I was getting hit on constantly. And like, that was a lot like to just be in that crowd and uh, try to protect myself. Like, so it was like, good and bad. You know, I, I feel like I was in a lot of sticky situations as a young girl that I wish I like looking back, I'm like, damn, I wish, you know, somebody was looking out for me a little bit more. Um, because now no I would never, you. Yeah. No you know, um, back then, right. That was before probably me too. So there was really just no rules. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I would be running the Dillette boards at midnight or 2am. And sometimes people would try funny things with me. Like, you know, I was just so, and I'm petite too. So it was just some sticky situations, you know, nothing terrible happened, but I was definitely in sticky situations. And I wish, you know, I had like a big sister or somebody at the station who was looking out for me, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, it was all on my own. And, and I also think that gave me some grit and kind of street smarts that I didn't necessarily have before hot 97. And so all in all, I just feel like I gained so many experiences and seeing all those celebrities and and knowing that they're real people. There was a a point in time where I dated Chris Brown for like three months. And so, yeah. And so like it just made everything so real where I was like, oh, like this could be me, too. Like this is not unattainable. These are normal people. Right. Right. If it could happen to them, it can happen to me. So then how did um, this dream your your current and you also have a very successful podcast agency that you run um, and a company that you run. How did all of that come about from this experience at Hot 97? Oh my gosh. It Again, very long journey. So, so I ended up leaving Hot 97 about three years in. What happened was is that a paid role opened up to be Angie Martinez's official producer, which I was basically doing that job uh, the whole time. And somebody else that was pretty lazy at the station was taking all the credit and then he got fired. And so I was like, okay, I'm a shoe in I've been doing this job anyway. Right. And nope, they hired somebody else who had no experience and who was from the video department. He was my friend. And I ended up texting him. Like I was very upset. Like, Hey, I don't feel good. I'm not going to come to work today. If you want to learn how to be the producer, learn it on your own. (laughs) He showed that text to Angie and Angie cut me off. So she cut off all my key cards. I wasn't allowed to be in the station anymore. I had no formal contract. So I didn't have two weeks, nothing. I couldn't say goodbye. And she even told everyone that they're not allowed to talk to me anymore. Jesus. So yes. So which was really cruel 
you know, right, really right. cruel, especially since I had given up so much. She knew that I quit college for her. All of, she right. never gave me one dollar. I look at that back now yeah, and I'm like, crap. That, I that's look, a big lesson, right? <laughs> I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, like she was like a 35 something year old woman and she did not give me a dollar. And I did everything for that lady. And yeah. I look back and I'm like, hmm, okay. It wasn't just me. Right. So anyway, I ended up leaving the station or being kicked out of the station, being blackballed from from the industry. And I was devastated because Hot 97 was my identity. I had given up everything and literally thought that I was going to be spending the rest of my life working at Hot 97. Like I truly thought that because most of the people who work at that station work there for their whole life. (laughs) And so I ended up um, leaving and um, within four days, I had the idea of creating something called Strawberry Blunt, the sorority of hip hop. And I decided that I was going to recruit other girls in the entertainment industry who were suffering like me and who were not getting opportunities and not being treated fairly and that we were going to band up together and start our own movement. And so I put out solicits on Craigslist. I put out solicits on Twitter and I started recruiting these girls. Some were from Def Jam, VH1, iHeartRadio, you know, La Mega, all these different places. I was formerly from Hot 97 and two weeks into it, we had 14 girls And I learned how to build a website and figured that all out. I figured out how to do a blog site. I figured out how to connect it to our Twitter accounts. And within three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment sites in the world. Then I had Angie Martinez knocking on my door, uh, apologizing because now everybody wanted us to host all their parties. And we started hosting all the hottest parties with um, some of the big DJs like Funkmaster Flex and DJ Camillo. We started getting shouted out on the radio more than I did when I actually worked there. (laughs) And I start. Yep. And then everybody came back and started. Basically, I was their peer instead of their intern. And so we just took over. And for three years, I did uh, Strawberry Blunt. We almost had a show on MTV twice. Um, They reached out right when we started. They did a little pilot. Nothing happened. But, uh, you know, to me, that was exciting. I was like, oh, my gosh, just three months in. We're almost about to get a show on MTV. What could happen next? And then about two and a half years into it, they did a very big pilot where they got us a studio on Broadway, like neon signs, neon lights, got our makeup done every day. I was the lead. Um, They shot us at our family's house in restaurants. We had a concert that we hosted and they and they filmed all of that. And we thought we were going to be the next Jersey Shore. I literally thought that I was going to be the next Snooki and was just so excited that finally I had made it finally, you know, all this work, all this free work. Um, and finally somebody like is good. I'm going to be famous. And then they pulled the plug, you know, they, one day my producer called me the executive producer and she was just like, sorry, Hala, like they they decided to cancel the show. And that was that I never even saw the footage. Wow. Um, and that it was just over like that. And for me, I at that point, I had 50 girls in Strawberry Blunt. And over the course of the whole movement, we probably had 200 girls in and out. Oh. And um, I had all this pressure on me, especially from the girls that were with me that whole time to make money and to yeah and to, to succeed. And I felt like I can't do this anymore. I need to be successful myself. 
Right. And I can't take everybody with me in the beginning. Yeah. I can't take everyone with me. And so I decided to shut down the blog site. I lost a lot of friends doing that. A lot of people were mad at me, but I, I decided, you know what? I, I'm done with the entertainment industry. I tried. I got rejected twice. I was just like heartbroken. And, you know, I didn't I didn't have any answers. You know, it was just like a, the gatekeepers didn't want me. And I just felt like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. I'm going to just get a real job and be normal because also at the same time, everybody in my family is a doctor. So all my siblings went to med school and here I was like this person who worked yeah. for free at a radio station and then had a hip hop website. And my parents were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. Right. You get, you have all the shine, but none of the financials to back it up, which is a very frustrating thing about any type of of this work. And I say this work as in like public figure work, um, you know, that you can get all kinds of recognition and it doesn't always turn to financial success, which can be very, very frustrating because you would think like it's a no brainer in every other industry. It does right. Every other industry, if you work really hard to be a doctor, you eventually get paid to be a doctor, you know? So yeah, how frustrating that can be. It, it was. And like, I mean, I had so many ups and downs that I didn't go through, you know, throughout this whole time period, by the way, I had online radio shows. So like the radio piece never went away. We had strawberry blunt radio show and we would do it on like a list radio.net bottom music radio.net DTF radio. So we had all these different radio shows and we would get little sponsorships and we would make money hosting parties, but it just wasn't enough to feed 50 mouths. Right. And Um, I was basically footing the bill, having part-time jobs, like footing the bill for the website. It got really expensive to host the website because we actually had a lot of people visiting and that's not cheap. And so one thing led to another and I was like, you know what? I need to hang up, hang in the towel and call it a day and just be normal. So I went in to get my MBA. And like I said, I had a terrible undergrad. And so I got rejected from 14 schools um, and I couldn't get into school. And I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? I can't get a job. I can't get into school. I'm not stupid. What do I do? And I remember I was like, it was my last option. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to email the director of alumni at NGIT, which was my um, former undergraduate school. And I'm going to just tell her my story. And I basically emailed her like three times before she responded. And then finally she took a meeting with me and I basically promised her, I said, listen, if you let me into the program, I promise on everything, I'm going to get a 4.0. I'm going to graduate number one and uh, you won't regret it. I promise. And she was like, you know what? I'll give you a chance. And she was like, if you don't get a 4.0 your first semester, uh, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And I got, I ended up graduating number one in my class 4.0. So amazing. That's yeah. that's that's the power of speaking it into existence, right? It turns on a motivation we didn't even know we had when we put it out there. I swear it's amazing. Yeah. And it's like I had no idea I could do that. I always thought I was bad in school. Yeah. You know, I always thought that I was never going to do good in school. And so I just need like once I have a goal, I can kind of crush it. So I got a 4.0 and that's really how I was able to get a corporate job. Without that, I would have never been able to get a real job because my resume looked crazy. Right. Yeah. And so I ended up uh, getting a job at HP. Hewlett Packard. And I got promoted like four times in four years. I had every job on the marketing team that you could imagine. And my last year at HP, um, I got the itch and I was like, you know what? I'm made my first six figures. Um, 
everything's going great. I feel like I have a lot to teach other young people because I've had all these experiences as an entrepreneur that failed. And then, you know, I figured out corporate and I just feel like I have a lot to tell the world. And I, I started Young and Profiting Podcast as a hobby. And I just was like, you know, I'm just going to, I know how to produce radio shows. I know how to do marketing because I, now I do it as a profession. Why don't I put two and two together and start a podcast? And so I basically decided that I was going to announce and, and really focus on, on LinkedIn. And I was super consistent with that and, and really blew up on that platform, which then helped me blow up my podcast. And um, then I went on to Disney streaming services and I basically had decent growth growth with the podcast my first two years. And then my last year, my third year into it, I had 3000% growth on my podcast. Wow. That's incredible. It just skyrocketed. Yeah. And, um, it was just so fast. And, and as that was skyrocketing, I landed the cover of podcast magazine and, I started an agency. Uh, and the reason why I started an agency is because everybody who'd come on my show, they were usually authors, CEOs, celebrities. They would always ask me the same thing. Who does your marketing afterwards? And I never put two and two together. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I have a team. Um, you know, they're great. I had a te- I have, I had a team of volunteers since episode two. And I was just like, you know, I have a team. They're great. They're amazing. And then finally I was like, oh my gosh, I have an agency and I don't even realize it. (laughs) And then I turned it on. Yep. And now we're 60 people strong. So everything's just growing really fast. Uh, I love that so much. And um, my listeners know that I've recently um, kind of gone through a similar transition pivot. I hate both those words at this point, but (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Um, Where, you know, I knew there was something next for my career. I've been working towards it from the beginning, right? Kind of like you, I had the big vision of what I wanted. Um, But the path to get there, sometimes we're trying so hard to figure it out, which for you, you know, that initial dream to be a singer. And then, um, you know, you're like, okay, well, maybe the path to get here is through radio. And so we take the opportunity that's in front of us and we learn everything we can there. And we're like, wait a second. I thought that path was going to cash out. What the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been hustling on this and it's not happening. And so then we have to make another kind of bend in the road. And sometimes it feels like we're starting over, but we never are because we're bringing all of that history with us, all Mm -hmm. of that knowledge um, and everything with us. And it then opens up the next doors that level us up. And I'm going through one right now where I am, um, you know, moving my business to kind of an individual based business or uh, one to many um, into corporate, which is um, maybe kind of an interesting switch back because my background is corporate. Um, But I think it was the exact same thing for me. I was like, wow, I've built uh, this, you know, entire platform and program and what is my strong suit and my background, which was corporate. And it just took a conversation of someone pointing that out where I was like, oh my God, duh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like really, how did I not connect those dots before now? Um, but I think those moments of, uh, inspiration happen when we're ready for them. Right. Had it, had someone, tried to give me that idea or point that out two years ago, I would have been like, no way, never, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. in my path. I know what my path's going to do. And so I think it's interesting how much 
we have to go through sometimes in order to find our, you know, our thing. So for you, I just, I find it so beautiful and kind of amazing that in the end, you're really doing everything you ever wanted to do. It's mm-hmm. just took a different route and it's, you know, maybe different topic, but at the end of the day, all those components are pretty much the same, right? Yeah. 100%. Like I, I think about my journey and I feel like Hala at 19 working at hot 97 would be pretty damn proud of, of where Hala is today. And when I was, it's funny because when I was in corporate for, for, for three years, like I really thought that I would never, ever go back into entertainment and that it was really over. And it's just so funny how you're never too old to start something new. You know, you're really never too old to try to go back to your dreams. And I just, I just feel so happy that I actually did that because there, there's a, you know, there was a big possibility that I never would have done that having failed so many times. And I'm just really happy that I was like, you know what, let me give this another shot. And I'm not going to say it's my last shot, you know, but there'll be many iterations as your dreams continue to unfold, but this, this will always be a catalyst to it, right? Like all those other pieces were, I think, I think so many people get very frustrated at the two big points where you quote unquote, didn't succeed. I'll say that I won't say failed Mm -hmm. because it was all part of the learning experience. Right. Um, but that's where most people are like, okay, I am done forever. You know, whatever creative pull I was having towards, either something I wanted or towards a dream, I'm just definitely never going back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the people who ultimately succeed are the ones who continue to listen to that intuition or that internal self, whatever you want to call it, um, and keep acting on their ideas, right? Yeah. An idea in both instances for you where you're like, hey, wait a second. And listeners, think about how many ideas you've had that you're like, Hey, I should go do that. (laughs) And did you, you know, Mm -hmm. the successes that in your life you probably did. And then there's a lot of things where you just left on the table. And, and I love that you acted on those ideas. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, um, maybe kind of listening to that and then having the courage to do something when you get a big idea, like your initial website, um, yeah. the idea to go back to the podcast, like what made you, I guess, act on it. Cause I'm sure there was fear, you know, and all kinds of negative. Totally. Voices totally. Like, no. First of all, I think that like, it gets easier and easier to like act on your big ideas. By the time I started a young and profiting podcast, I had had so many experiences of starting things from scratch, you know, and so many failures that every time you've fail or get rejected, it gets easier and easier because you just realize it's part of the process. And I started to realize that really the reason why I failed or got rejected so much was actually because I was really special and talented, not because it was the opposite. It was the more opportunities I got just proved that people believed in me. And that's why they gave me the opportunities. They didn't pan out necessarily, but at least I got my foot in the door, you know? 
And so that gave me confidence. And then I, I think the other piece is having really good intentions. Um, and I think that's why young and profiting ended up taking off because when I first started young and profiting, I had no intentions to monetize my, that was not my goal. I literally thought that I was going to be in corporate for the rest of my life and become like the CEO of HP or something. I never thought that I was going to be, you know, podcasting was going to actually fund my life. I just thought it was a hobby because my experience thus far was making absolutely no money in radio. Right. So I, I had the intention of helping people. And people really resonated with that. And by episode two, I had a volunteer. And by episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel that was helping me run this dream, right? And and making it bigger and bigger. And I think that having that pure intention is very attractive. And when you know your why, it's really hard to shake you off your path because you just have a really strong why and it's not related to money or power or anything that's kind of egotistical. It was just really to help people. And, and that's why I think it ended up working out really well. And I think that understanding and having an organic approach to your business model is really cool. So for example, I had this volunteer group and, um, by the time I ended up getting a job at Disney streaming and we were working on the podcast. By the time I quit Disney, I had 35 people working for me. And the reason why I think that the agency became successful and everything like that is because the culture was so um, organic. You know, I didn't just like start a company to make money. It just happened very organically. And that's because we paid attention to the demand. And it's like, I just put the puzzles pieces together. And so I think being aware of what's going on and the opportunities in front of you, because for a long time, I was blind to the fact that I had a team that could become a marketing agency because I was only focused on my own podcast. Once I kind of realized that there was something bigger and I was more aware of my opportunities and believed in the possibility of making this a company, everything kind of took off, including my podcast. And so I don't know if I'm phrasing this in in the best way, but basically like- It makes so much sense because I think- whenever we're focused on, on anything and it makes perfect sense that you're focused on the podcast, that's the thing, you know, that is that you're working on. It's the thing that's in front of you. It's also the thing that's drawing, um, interest from others to help. And in, in that space of focus, I think a lot of times we are imagining that we're dreaming really big, you know, and that we're, Mm -hmm. we've, we've kind of like seen it all, I guess, you know, like, so if someone were to come to us and say, Hey, you know, are you, are you imagining where this could go? You're like, of course I do that all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But then one little idea or one little thought just opens up an entire realm of possibility that just was never in our consciousness before. Right. So that idea Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, maybe it's more than just my podcast. Maybe it's something totally different, but in the same vein, yeah. Um, that actually propels all of this. And it, I love those moments because they feel like genius in a way, you know, it's, it's so exciting because you just, you understand you're like, wow, I'm onto something. Yeah. You and know, it's also so like bigger than me. Yeah. And I think to your original question, it was like, how do you just kind of get started? I think it's about 
not overwhelming yourself by trying to do it all at once. It's about starting small. So it's like, first we started with my podcast, right? And we figured out how to hack LinkedIn. We didn't focus on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. We just figured out LinkedIn, right? Then we figured out how to do, uh, how to trade with the podcast apps and kind of blow up my podcast. and, And we figured out media buying. And then we went on to clients and I didn't take over all client stuff. Like I started with Heather Monahan's videos, right? And we just did her videos. And then we just kept layering things on until now we're like this full-blown marketing agency that does every single social platform that does clubhouse end-to-end podcast management. And we're one of the most premier podcast and social media marketing agencies out there servicing huge clients like Kara Golden of Hint Water, Britt Moran of Britain Co., Heather Monahan, like I mentioned. And it all started less than a year ago doing videos for somebody else. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it could just grow organically. You don't have to force it. I guess that's what I'm trying to get across is that like go downstream. Like go where the flow is going. And and that's what I started. Once I started doing that and just following the flow and and how things naturally go, everything became so easy. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think a lot of times, um, you know, we might be working so hard on what it was that was in our head that we wanted to materialize or manifest. And um, we're not looking at what is working really well. And maybe what's working really well isn't the thing we love the most or isn't the thing we were most focused on. I remember when um, I had the idea for my second book, which is Future Boards. By then, for eight years, I had made a name for myself with vision boards, you know, my future boards. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd done it on all these different platforms. It was the number one thing everybody asked me about to the point where I was like, I have everything out there. Like, what else am I going to say about it? I have every video, I have every blog post, (laughs) you know? Um, And then it was just that idea of like, well, maybe people still do want to read a book about it. And it just clicked and I got the offer and off we went, right? So my suggestion would be right along with what you're saying is take a look at what you're doing now that's actually working. And maybe it's the no brainer thing that you're like, no one's really interested in that because it's so obvious and that's kind of the, was the case for me. It's like, how could anyone still have interest in this? Um, because it's so obvious, but I swear if you can, you know, rock that rock, the thing that is already working for you, it can then open so many other doors mm-hmm. and it just, it's so much easier than fighting for the other pieces that are not working. Which yeah. Is really- what you did, right? Kind of let mm-hmm. go of the pieces that weren't working and just dove in on the pieces that were. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I just want to call out to your listeners is how you can accomplish your dreams in so many different ways. And there's definitely no one path towards your dream. So my number one goal in life is to be the world's biggest female podcaster. I think I'm on my way. Right. And my podcast, the first two years, had very slow and steady growth. Like we were getting 4,000 downloads a month. If you looked at my podcast charts the first two years, it was just like stagnant. Like everybody thought I was a big podcaster because I had a big following on LinkedIn, but really that wasn't the case. Once I started my marketing agency, it gave me the resources I needed to properly invest in my podcast and compete. And had I not done that, I never had the goal of becoming the CEO of a marketing agency. That was never in my plans. But since I was open to it and gave it a shot, 
it blew up. And all of a sudden I had money every month to invest in a proper team, to invest in media buying, to, you know, level up my marketing, whatever I needed to do. And I basically figured out a way to fund the growth of my podcast. And then my podcast had 3000% growth. And it wasn't until that turning point when I actually had the agency that began to give me some money in my pocket to fund the, the podcast. And so now I get to have my dreams come true. And it's all because I was open to what people wanted from me and they wanted my marketing services. Yep. Absolutely. Listening, like listening to the market, listening to yourself, listening to what's working, paying attention. I think that is, I mean, that's something that I'm constantly trying to integrate into my life in every area. The idea of presence of really paying attention because it's so much harder than it sounds, right? (laughs) It is. Um, So I know you have, you know, you've talked to and interviewed so many incredible um, leaders on both of your your platforms on uh, Clubhouse and on your podcast. What are some of the pieces of advice that they've shared with you that has really kind of resonated? And and do you tend to integrate some of that into your own life? I'm always curious because I feel like I'm trying to sponge, be a sponge always, you know, I always want to learn from people who've gone before me. And I'm curious what some of those pieces of advice that have really stuck with you are. Yeah, I love that question. You know, it's so funny. The more you interview people, the harder it is to like remember all the interviews. I don't know if you have the same problem (laughs) because it's like you're talking to so many people, but I know that I feel like just talking to successful people, you just a thing or two, you pick up on each interview and it just makes you a better person. Um, and I love to listen back to those interviews so that I can really absorb it because when you're in the moment as a host, it's very hard to actually absorb what you're hearing and have a meaningful, exciting conversation. So, um, in terms of the, the lessons that have really, really stuck with me over time, I had um, Scott Adams on the show. He is the Dilbert cartoonist, and he's the first one who introduced me to the concept of skill stacking. And that's something that I talk about all the time because I feel like that's really was the secret to my success. I feel like having that job at Hot 97 gave me the radio skills. Having the blog site gave me the marketing skills and the growth hacking skills and the writing skills, right? And then having that corporate experience, I got all these different, you know, more marketing skills and and uh, that that I had in my tool belt to then later start my agency, right? So I feel like I had all of these different experiences, whether they were failures or successes that became my skills that I stacked on top of one another and be was able to basically provide unique value to the world and become successful. And so for, for Scott Adams, his situation was uh, he's the world's like number one cartoonist and he had some business experience. He was pretty funny. He knew how to draw. He could write well. He put those all together and he created Dilbert and now he's, you know, a gajillionaire. <laughs> oh my God. So, I love that. What great advice, because I mean, that kind of comes to what we were talking about earlier in all the different ways our journey materializes. And in all those stops and starts, it's so easy to say, I'm never going to make it right. Because I did this thing. I worked really hard at it. I wanted it really bad and it didn't work. But if you look at it from that perspective of stacking those skills, I mean, you never get to your ultimate, whatever that is (laughs) for me, it's always moving. Right. Um, you, but you never get to the true thing you're supposed to do without having all that background, without having all that knowledge, without exactly. having all 
experiences. So I love that. That's and it, that's yeah. Cool. And it, it gives you a different perspective on rejection and failure because you just realize that like getting those experiences are so key to your destiny in the end. And, and so to me, that was just so powerful. Mm -hmm. They become a gift versus an obstacle or a heartbreak or whatever. If you can start looking at them, like, wow, what what is it that I learned? What's the skills that I, you know, take inventory. One of the things that I do with some of my clients is have them write down um, what it is that they crush at because you would be surprised, Hala. I don't know if you found this too, but um, I think women in particular sometimes do not know their strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in general, a lot of times we don't see our biggest strengths as assets at all because we just think that's who we are. It's what we do naturally. Um, So ladies out there, if you have not done this already, you know, get down a piece of paper and write down everything that you are good at all the things you think you can do in your sleep that maybe other people don't value. I bet you anything, somehow those are going to tie in to what it is you're meant to do. Yeah. And, and the other piece, you know, mm -hmm. and the other piece of advice related to this is to not be afraid of trying new things and getting new experiences because it's just all the stuff that makes you uniquely you and gives you that edge. Right. And I think that a lot of people are afraid of dabbling in hobbies or side hustles when they don't realize that 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 actually can make you better in other areas of your life. If you kind of expand your creativity or in skills in, in certain areas. So I would just encourage everyone to get as much experiences as possible. And you do not need to be the best at everything. You can be pretty good at everything and kind of dabble in different things. And like I said, it will make you, it will make you uniquely you so that you can provide something, uh, you know, beautiful to the world and become successful. Absolutely. It makes you more nimble. You know, it makes you more open to ideas. It makes you willing to try. I mean, you know, if you're out willing to try a new hobby or push yourself, you know, against fear by doing something, I don't know, skydiving, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever the crazy thing is, those, that same kind of mindset that gets you to do a hobby new is going to really help you in business. It's going to help you in all those other areas of life. It's such amazing advice. All right, girl, um, where can everybody follow you, learn all about you, subscribe, all those good things. Thank you. This is such a great conversation. You guys can just search Young and Profiting Podcast on your favorite platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, CastBox. We just hit a million views on CastBox, which I'm super excited about. Thank you. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Halataha. Also on Clubhouse, hosting rooms in there all the time. On Instagram at Yap with Hala or just go to youngandprofiting.com if you can't remember any of that. Uh, I love it. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom. Um, and I am so excited for all of your incredible success. I'm going to continue following it and listening and learning from you and your amazing guests. So thank you so much for being part of the show today and everybody get out there and hustle and thrive. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.